Welcome to the January 28th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5-14, through 14, and the sermon is entitled, Warning About the Lion, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. I'm grateful today to see each one of you here, those that are next door in the social hall. I'm grateful for your patience in these days. I'm going to say this as I get myself together here. It's amazing. The book of 1 Peter comes to an end today for us, but it does not come to an end forever. I'm grateful for that. So as we take this book and we finish out the book of 1 Peter today, it's amazing that when you get ready to preach about the devil, the devil shows up in everything. As you can say, see, the electronics are everywhere today, and we've got a couple TVs out, and I don't know what to say other than this. He's mad. We're talking about him today, okay? So get ready. But as we understand the fight, I want you to know in the prayer room just down the hallway this morning, I prayed the blood of Jesus over this day. Because anytime you talk or think or go to battle against Satan, it's only the blood of Jesus that wins the victory. We cannot win that on our own. And so today as we take open the Word of God, we talk about the warning about the lion. First Peter chapter number 5. I want to open by saying this. My family loves to camp. We have been camping forever. And I'm, on, I'm going to say this in front of you and before God. I hated camping before I got married, okay? I hated the thought of it. But now I do enjoy it. Uh, it's not tent camping. I want you to know that, okay? But we love to camp. And a number of years back, we went down to see my brother in South Carolina. He's in the Air Force. Uh, stationed in Charleston, South Carolina at the time. And we went down to visit for a week, and we pulled our camper into a KOA, and, and, and we, that was our home for a week. We set up camp, and our, our camper backed up to, uh, to the lake that was there. And we were, we were grateful, beautiful place. But every morning when we opened our door of our camper, we were greeted by a sign. Now notice our camper was parked right by the lake, and that sign was a warning sign. Do not get in the water. Do not swim in the lake. That was the warning sign. And on it was a big picture of an alligator with a red circle. And the warning sign was there. Every morning we swung open the door to our camper. We were reminded, don't get in the water. Don't get near the water. I can remember one of the days we wanted to walk the trail that went around the lake. And as we started, the boys were just little kids at the time. They were young. As we started around that trail, there were some older people that said, no, 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 don't go gator across the trail. Don't go down there. And so there's another warning sign. Do you think, now, in my younger days when I was by myself, I'm not going to tell you what I probably would have done, okay? But with those two kids in tow, we didn't even take a chance. We turned around, we went back, and we didn't even give that alligator a chance. I think you know where we're going with this message. Today, we open Scripture. And in 1 Peter chapter number 5, as we open this Scripture today, it is one of the greatest warning signs to every person. There is no exception when it comes to Satan. And I want to say this as we begin this morning. When someone wants to devour you, you better be prepared and you better be ready. You better not take any chances. 
And I'm under, under the assumption today that we as Christians have compromised. The churches are getting cozy and people are persisting and dancing with the one who will devour. And so church today, here is that ready-made warning in Scripture. And I want to read it for us today. Take your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. Here's that warning. And in some way in your Bible, circle it, underline it, make a star beside, especially verse number 8. But these words say this, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That is the strong warning sign as we open the pages of Scripture that smacks us right in our face, that says, beware, quit dabbling with the devil. Last week, we talked about the shepherd or the elder and his job. And last week, I basically felt like I preached to myself. One of the hardest scriptures. But the job of the shepherd of the church is to keep control of the sheep and to protect the sheep and to give watch care to the sheep. And we've seen all of that last week. We've seen the chief, chef, chief shepherd in Jesus Christ. And that as the under-shepherd follows the chief shepherd, that the sheep need to follow them as well. And so today, here's a direct warning to the entirety of the church. To the sheep, to the shepherd, to beware. As we talk about the warning about the lion, the first point that I want you to see out of today's sermon is this. Point number one, don't face him alone. Don't face him alone. Look at verse number five again. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. One of the greatest attacks on our church. This is not a political statement, by the way. I will preface this. One of the greatest attacks on the modern day church happened in 2020. And four years later, we are still dealing with the effects of COVID. January 20th, 2020, the first case of COVID hit the United States of America. And what this disease did to the local church was scatter the flock. It scattered the flock. And I want to say this, the flock has not recovered. Four years later, the flock has not recovered. I'm not getting into the weeds, but that is reality. And what this did in the works of Satan, it got the sheep alone. And when a sheep gets alone, it is in trouble. Christians were created in the idea and with the purpose of relationship first with God and then with one another. And as 
those relationships progress and deepen. We need God and we need one another. Yes, listen to me. You can worship outside of the collective body of the church. But here is the reality that scripture teaches. You need the church. It's not that the church needs you. You need the church. The biggest change or the biggest charge, I would say, the biggest problem that we face is having to face it alone. I'm looking at some people today that have had to face situations where they felt like they were alone. And the reality is this. The Bible teaches us here in 1 Peter, but also in the book of Hebrews, that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Peter starts out by saying this, the younger ones. Do you see that in verse number 5? Likewise, ye younger, the younger ones need to submit to the elders or the leaders of the church. All need to be subject to one another and clothed with humility. I love that. Peter realizes this. It cannot happen. Church cannot happen unless people suck in their pride as Jeremy prayed and be humble under the hand of the Almighty God. Be humble with one another. The only place that I know of that hundreds of people can gather and worship and serve and love Jesus is the church. Anywhere else we can't get along. Today, as that warning in verse number 8 that Peter gives, he says to the church, believers, before you can ever face the devil, you cannot do it alone. You've got to be united one with another as the body of believers under the hand of God. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But we know this, that men and women need to do this. We need to humble ourselves first under God and then under the leadership and then to one another. That seems hard, doesn't it? You're telling me I've got to answer to the pastor and the leadership and then everybody else no, I'm just saying humbly pull in beside them and love the Lord and work for the Lord and serve the Lord together. Look at verse number 5. Again, there's a little word there. It says this, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you. That word all, I kind of, kind of circled and uh, uh, highlighted in my Bible. All, all, all. Everyone needs humility everyone needs to be humble and so today as we open this scripture before we ever get to the warning in verse number eight here's what it's saying those of you that are a little less mature in the faith those of you that are a little less mature in years submit yourselves to godly leadership submit yourselves to the godly principle of the church of believers being united together all of us need to do that. We need one another. And here is the warning. You cannot get scattered. You cannot get lost. You cannot get on your own. Because someone is ready to devour you. So do not think you don't need the church. Or you don't need the people. You may not need, need Clifford Baptist Church. But you need a church family. A church home. That you can pull in beside. I want to say this. 
This verse does not mean the older ones make all the decisions. It does not mean that. Some things must change. And humbly, as those leadership people in leadership make decisions, humbly you follow, humbly you give your opinion, humbly you work together to serve the Lord in His place. I will tell you, I'm not the smartest man on the block. Maybe I'll put it this way, the sharpest tool in the box. But here's the great thing the Bible does teach us, teaches, iron sharpens iron. We need one another. Point number two, look at verses six and seven. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The end of verse 5, Peter is quoting Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, as he mentions uh, in, that God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. I'm grateful for that. But just as we read uh, in verses 6 and 7 that we need to humble ourselves, that grace be made available. Take your life. And humbly say this, Lord, I trust you with my life. I trust you to lead me. I trust you in the good days. I trust you in the hard days. How many of us know how to humble ourselves? How do we humble ourselves? Here's how I believe that we humble. You take your life and you say, God, here is my life. I'm going to trust you. Whatever happens, whatever comes my way, Whatever I may face, I'm going to humbly face it with you leading my life. Verse number six, look there. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. There's a place where you've got to go. There's a place where you must humble yourself. And that place is under the mighty hand of God. Now listen, I don't know what that hand of God looks like. But as we trust our life under the leadership of God, you are placing your life very humbly in His hands, in His care. I kind of picture the hand of God probably like Dr. Powell Massey's hand. If you have ever shaken that man's hand, it swallows half my arm. But I say that to say this, that man's got a huge hand. But here's what God does with the mighty hand in Scripture. Listen to this, Exodus 3.19. God tells Moses this, I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by the mighty hand of God. He tells Daniel in chapter 9, verse 15, O Lord our God who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand hand. I tell you today, church, the mighty hand of God is still able to protect and deliver and accomplish and exalt this day. We look at great men of the faith in Moses and in Daniel, and we see that they are the men of God because they placed their lives under the watch care, under the hand of an almighty God. This is nothing of our own doing. It's all through the work of Jesus Christ. I want you to know today, it takes a man and a woman to humble themselves and say, God, it's not about me anymore. I realize you died for me. 
And I'm going to live this life that you've blessed me with, that you have given me. I'm going to live this life in order that you will get glory out of it. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. But also, look at verse number 7. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Notice as we take verse 6 humbly that we're under the hand of God and under that hand of God, then you can cast all your cares back on the shoulders of God. Maybe today, you walked in this worship service today carrying a lot. Maybe it's worries. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's concern. Maybe it's concern for yourself, concern for others. Anxiety that is upon you. And here's what the Bible tells us, commands us to do. And humbling yourselves, you got to realize you can't fix it. God, I'm going to trust my life. I'm going to trust all that I'm going through. And I'm going to cast that care upon you because you care for me. You're going to take care of me. You do that knowing that you can't do anything, but you also do that knowing that God can and will. Point number two. How many of us today are depending on ourselves to fight the fight and to fight the battle instead of depending on the Lord? Cast your care upon Him. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you. You. That's what the Bible teaches. Look at verses 8 and 9. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Point number three today is this. And maybe I need to state this loud so we understand this. The devil is real. Just as, as it is my job to teach you about Jesus and that we believe that Jesus is real, you also must realize this, that Satan, the devil himself, is real. So after you submit to others and treat others with humility and humble yourselves and cast your cares upon the Lord, now he gives three direct commands and these commands are needed because you are fighting a real spiritual battle whether you realize it or not. I grew up watching cartoons. Cartoons today are very different than the cartoons I grew up on, okay? I'm just going to say that. And many of you grew up on those same cartoons. But in that, those cartoons, uh, the devil, when he showed up in those cartoons, was pictured as this little puny guy dressed in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork and a pointy tail. And that symbolized the devil. And I can remember laughing at that and thinking, oh, that little guy, he ain't nothing. But I want you to know this. The reality of it is the devil is far more than what we see in a movie in a cartoon. The devil is hazardous and harmful. He is damaging and destructive. He is fatal and unfriendly. He is looking to destroy and devour. Verse 8 is that warning sign to recognize that the devil is real and he is at work and he desires to take you down and to take you out. 
And until we realize that as the child of God, that is his motive. That is what he wants to do. Then we don't know how to face him. But here's what the Bible says. And here's what Peter is teaching these in Asia Minor. You will meet the devil. Be ready. You will meet him. Here's what you need to do to recognize him and to know that he is real. The first word in verse number 8 is this. Be sober. Sober-minded. Our minds under control. They are set on the Lord because Satan is looking to attack. Now remember, it all starts with humbly putting your life in the mighty hand of God. That's where it starts. But once you do that, you must be sober. Sober-minded. Ephesians Chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 are great verses to read after this message. Sometime today, go home and read those verses. But to be strong in the Lord, that we can stand against the schemes of the devil, that we don't get distracted or we won't get lulled to sleep. This has the mindset of an attack mode that you are ready because the attack is coming, but you expect it or that you anticipate it. Be sober. The second word in verse number 8, be vigilant. Always be prepared. Here's the way that I found that Satan works. When it, you least expect it, that's when he shows up. Amen? Maybe that's just me. When you let your guard down just for a second. How many have turned your eyes away from your children for just a minute or for just a moment and that's when they decide to do something off the wall? You take your eyes off God for just one second. That's all it takes. The word vigilant means that we are always prepared for the great deceiver, the tempter to show up. Our struggle is not in flesh and blood, the Bible says. Our struggle is in rulers and authorities and powers of dark world against the spiritual forces of evil. We must know this, that He is lurking. As I swung my camper door open, I could not see the alligator. But I knew he was there. I knew he was there. Others said they saw him. I knew he was there. Don't take a chance. Be vigilant. The third command, and it starts in verse number 9, whom resist steadfast, in the faith. The third thing that we are to do is we are to resist steadfastly in the faith. Now listen, you can't resist the devil by, uh, by your own strength, okay? You can't say, okay, devil, I'm not dealing with you today. Guess what? He's still going to follow you around. But with faith, you put him under the blood of Jesus. You set your eyes on Jesus. That's where resistance takes place. You resist the devil with faith in Christ. Look at verse number eight, uh, 9 again. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. Those three words in the faith are crucial. You cannot resist him any other way physically, humanly possible. It is impossible to resist the devil on your own. But, as in verse number 8, he is compared to a lion. 
Many times we picture Jesus as the lion. But remember here, for the only time in Scripture, Satan is pictured as a lion. Looking whom he, seeking whom he may devour. Throughout your Bible, Satan is depicted in many different animal forms. Here's just a few of them. He is depicted as a serpent that deceives. He is depicted as a lion that devours. He is depicted as a wolf that disperses the sheep. He is depicted as a bird that devours the seed. And he is depicted as a dragon that deceives as well. But you know my favorite way that Satan is depicted in the Bible? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he is depicted under the heel of Jesus, his head being crushed by the foot of Jesus. Revelation chapter number 2, or chapter number 20, verse 10, he is depicted being thrown into the lake of fire. Those are my favorite, favorite ways that the devil is depicted in Scripture. But here's the reality. Only Jesus can do that. You can't do it. You don't have the power to. Only through Jesus can we be sober and vigilant and resist Him with our faith in Christ. This point, the devil is real, needs to sink deep in our mind and know that we are in a spiritual battle. We are also told before we move on, that other believers are experiencing trials as well. Satan wants to weaken the body as a whole. Look at the end of verse number 9. He says, uh, uh, Peter says this, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. All around the world, people are in a spiritual battle against Satan. He is real. Point number four. Look at verses 10 and 11. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that ye have suffered a while. Make you perfect. Establish. Strengthen. And settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse number 10 says this. After you have suffered a while. What does a while mean? If I told you I'm going to preach for a while, what does that mean? Don't look at your clocks yet. We're going on 30 minutes, all right? 30 to 40 minutes is a while. If you tell me you're going to go take a nap, lay down for a while, what are you telling me? Is it going to be 30 minutes or two hours? I don't know. Depends on how tired you are, right? What if you tell me, oh, I'm not going to go there. Oh, my wife's downstairs, okay? I'll go there, okay? <laughs> What if she tells you she's going to be back in a while? We don't know, do we, guys? We don't know when she's coming back. We don't know what she's doing. How much she has spent shopping, we don't know. All we know is this. You've been gone a while. Here's, here's what Scripture says. I say that jokingly, but this isn't jokingly now. As we look at verse number 10, but the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while. Remember, Peter is writing to those people who are under persecution and who are suffering for their faith. And here's what Peter says. He says, I can't tell you 
how long you're going to experience this. I can't tell you, but after you have suffered a while, some great things are going to happen. We are the ones who give definition to time. God doesn't. God doesn't work on our timetable. He doesn't work in seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years. God doesn't work that way. But here's what Peter says. After, after a while, something's going to happen. Some of you can relate. Some people in this room can relate. You've experienced this heartbreak and You've been hurt and you're going through persecutions and trials of your own. Grief and hurt have encompassed you for years. But persecution to these believers would only last a while. It is no time framed by God, but by man. We may look at somebody and say, they've been dealing with this for a long time. Friends, I know people that have dealt with cancer 20 years. That's a long while. Years of pain and hurt. Years of temptation and persecution. Years of attacks from Satan himself. Here's what Jesus says. Here's what Peter says. That little time doesn't compare to eternity. Days and weeks and months and even years does not compare to eternity. So what I I want you to see here, after you have suffered a while, something amazing happens. Look at verse number 10. The God of all grace, the beginning of verse number 10, who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a while, make you perfect, established, strengthened, and settles you. After you have suffered suffered a while, God's going to make you perfect. God's going to equip you. God's going to allow allow you to stand firm. He's going to establish you. He's going to strengthen you. And he's going to settle you. He's going to ground you. God will take care of you. Some of you today in this room, and I'm pointing the finger at myself first, need to hear this. No matter what comes along, what trial you face, It's only for a certain, a determined amount of time. That's point number four. Only a determined amount of time. And here's the hard part, friends. That time is not determined by us. It's determined by God. And what I'm trying to tell you is this. God knows what you're going through. God allows these things to happen. God permits Satan to do this. But it's only for a limited time. And then the God of all grace will show up and make you perfect. The last verses as we close out the book, verses 12 through 14. By Savanius, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you. And so doth Marcus, my son. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you, all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Point number five today is a departing word. 
And that departing word from Peter as he finishes the letter, he ends it the way that he begins it. Remember, he began with grace and peace. And he writes and says this, peace, God's peace be unto the people of God. Sylvanius, you see that in verse number 12 by Sylvanius. Sylvanius would be the one, Silas would be the one who would hand deliver this letter. And, and most of you know Silas. Silas is the same one that you read about in the book of Acts with Paul. This is the same man that is here. And Silas is going to deliver that letter. And I'm grateful, and, and Peter is grateful for him. Uh, as, and Paul is grateful for him as well. There's another name that shows up in this departing word, and that is the name Marcus. Many of you relate that name to Mark, John Mark, who wrote the gospel of Mark, okay? That is the same guy, but also in the book of Acts, you know that Mark went on the mission field and did not make it. He turned back and went back. And there's a, I preached a Wednesday night a couple weeks ago about Mark and his life, but listen, Mark is very important to Peter here. And he is so important that some people, some theologians believe that his gospel, the gospel of Mark, he wrote those words and Peter helped him write those words. Some people believe that. And I, I see where it could happen. But you see in this, he considers Mark his what? His son. Marcus, my son. So they have a close relationship. But as the church is moving on, you see that God is using these people and Peter and Mark and Silas to carry out God's will. And here's the departing word that peace to all in Christ Jesus. And then at the end of verse number 12. Here is the true meaning. The true grace of God wherein you stand. Stand in the grace of God. Today church as we read this departing word from Peter. He encourages them to stand on their relationship. On their faith. Even though the days are not easy. Stand against the adversary, Satan himself. The only way to win the battle is through faith in Jesus Christ and standing on his word. And so today as we wrap up this sermon today, what do we need to learn as we take away? Here's what I want this church, you today, to take away. Number one, this, you cannot face Satan alone. Don't even try. Don't even go toward the lake. Don't even tempt him. You cannot do it on your own. Satan is real. But here's the reality of it. The time of suffering is only for a little while. And that is what we have glory in. I, ask, I end this sermon with a question. Will you stand as Peter asked us? Will you stand on the grace that is through our God, through Jesus Christ? The grace of God in which you stand. That is the only way. Today, remember, there is a roaring lion. Don't try to pet him. Don't go near him. Don't try to feed him. You go to battle. A stern warning to everybody, to all that we hear. Today, maybe there's one in this room that hasn't submitted. We started out this reading today. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves. Maybe there's somebody in this room that hasn't submitted. They haven't submitted to leadership. They haven't submitted to the Lord as Savior. Today, before you leave, make sure you submit. 
Today, child of God, brother or sister, if you haven't submitted your hand, yourself, your life, under the, the mighty hand of God, do that before you walk out of here. I'm grateful that as we bow, we bow collectively together as the church. We bow as the people of God, humbly coming together, humbly uniting our hearts, humbly want to, want to serve the Lord through this place, through this body together. And together, we can resist. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you for this day. God, I pray, Lord, that as you lead this moment of invitation, Lord, that as we call on your Holy Spirit, Lord, we ask that you draw near to each heart. Lord, that as we look at ourselves in light of the work of Christ, that we are nothing. We cannot fight. We cannot do it on our own. Oh God, today I pray for that one who may be in this room that feels like they're fighting alone. God, give them the strength that only you can. Give them the reassurance of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray. God, today we pray for that one who needs you as Savior, who has not submitted their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Lord, through his blood and his blood alone, brings forgiveness of sin and a relationship with a powerful Savior. God, if there's one in this room that needs that today, God, we pray that they humbly come and they bow before you. Lord, today for my brothers and sisters, as we are in this world, Lord, help us not to dance with the devil. Lord, keep him at bay. Give us strength and wisdom. Lord, let us be sober and vigilant that we may resist him. Give us strength only through your power, we pray. God, we give you this day. We thank you for your unending grace and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.